partnering with the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus. Okay, how many of you, are you ready? How many of you have been listening to some of the test, uh, little uh, devotionals? So we're going to kind of summarize some stuff. Next week, we're going to have uh, Todd speaking. I don't have a clue what you're going to talk about, but I would like to focus on the day of Pentecost, all the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, how many of you like to be encouraged to draw near to the Lord? How many of you need that kind of encouragement? Uh, how many of you believe that the current, uh, the, the kind of the flow of the world system is fraught with weary, anxiety, and depression? I heard on a, on a Zoom call, we pray for the next generation, and we have, there's a, a group of uh, intercessors, and uh, Friday morning, uh, Ty Austin mentioned, he said that the, the recent study is that the adults, among adults, that the uh, depression uh, has gone up from uh, 15%, excuse me, 19%, to 29%. I don't know how they gauge that. Maybe it's uh, how many people are doing drugs or whatever to, uh, you know, I don't know. How many of you believe that, uh, that there's a pull uh, on your daily life to hinder your time with the Lord? Is there anybody running into that? Well, we're going to look at just a couple of things to get started here. First, uh, first John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. Everybody say, yay, Jesus. You didn't start it. He started it. He came and loved you, and in all of us, in our unloveliness, and all of the way that we've been, God, He comes and seeks us out and finds us. How many of you didn't even like yourself? I know I was pretty much that way. And he, So he, he loves you into something. Also, there's now no condemnation. I want to say that right up the front here. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. There's no condemnation. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Hallelujah. There's no condemnation. Okay. James 4, 8, uh, verse, a little front part. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I'm just saying the no condemnation part because I found a statement uh, that uh, describes the heart condition that uh, needs reviving. You can tell if your love needs revival because you start feeling numb. You start feeling like your ears are muffled. You start feeling like your heart is hard, or even heartless. You start feeling like the Word of God has lost its luster. You start feeling lethargic. The name of Jesus becomes stale in your mouth. Truths that used to make your heart flutter have little to no effect on you anymore. You start to scream out in prayer because the gentle nearness has become foreign to you. Thomas A. Kempis said, I'd rather feel contrition of heart than know how to define it. No matter how amazing the experiences we've had in the past, we need a fresh inflow of the life of God to keep them real to us. Jesus came to rescue us. I want to just start off with uh, just, the very, just the very beginning of all this in Titus 3. 3 through 6, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy, uh, evil and envy, and we even hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, next slide, He saved us not because the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life. Everybody say, through the Holy Spirit. 
He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want to focus on, I was uh, thinking through this, you know, Jesus came and He perfectly represented the heart of Father God. Perfectly. He didn't live for His own will. There was even a little contest of that in the Garden of Gethsemane where He says, not my will, but thine be done. Then Jesus, and we'll get to this verse in a minute, but Jesus leaves and now the Holy Spirit, he says he's not going to speak on his own initiative. He's going to say the things that I say. So now there's this perfect submission of the Holy Spirit to represent the heart of Jesus and the heart of Father God. It's beautiful. Okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, family. Now, if we could ever get to where we do the same thing, where we live for the will of him, Now, Jesus prayed that. John 17, 20 through 21. I was praying. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's us. I pray that they will be all, uh, they will all be one, just as you and I are one. You, as, uh, as you are in me, Father, as he's praying to the Father, and I'm in you, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that you've sent me. Would you kind of... Uh, Shoot up a little flare prayer for the person next to you and say, Lord, pour your love into my brother or my sister. Pour your love into them. Let them know the depth of this intimate, cherishing care and love that is in Father and in Jesus together. That's our key. Ephesians 4.3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I have an official like big prayer for us up here. Let's go ahead and read this. Say, Father God, Father God, in Jesus, and let's together, Father God, in Jesus' name, I bring my whole life to you today. I desire to become all that you intended for me to be for your glory. Teach me to fully surrender to the working of your grace in my life. I choose to rely upon the Holy Spirit's help in every way. Amen. So let's just look at uh, how much we can uh, truly rely on the Holy Spirit. Some of you will notice some of these were in the devotions. Genesis 1, 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. What's the Holy Spirit doing? The Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. The very first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is he's hovering over what is formless and void. He's hovering over the areas. So what he's going to do is the places that basically are in your life and in my life that are chaos and confusion, empty and, and uh, obscure, he's going to come and hover and bring order to it and bring, bring life and bring a sense of the purpose of the kingdom of God. That's what he's going to do. And we starts that, John 3, 6 through 7, we're born by the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is uh, flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So you should be not be surprised at anyone saying you must be born again. So our initial starting place, of course, is we come, and you know, you're, you're, I love the guy that said, uh, we're, not, we're not humans in a spirit realm, we're spirits in a human realm. 
We're spiritually alive. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he puts this, you know, you're, you're dead in your sins, trespasses and sins, like you said, but then the Holy Spirit comes. He put, makes your spirit come alive and you become alive. You, become, you light up on the inside. And now that's the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that conceived Jesus and was, he was born the first time, the Holy Spirit. Now that Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you and now you're alive in the spirit. Later on, there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is why we're talking out spiritual themes. The Gives the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, the life of the Holy Spirit. Next week, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, empowered them, fell upon them, as poured out upon them. They began to speak with a language that would draw them into intimacy with God. And uh, that happened to me 50-something years ago. I've been praying in tongues for all those years. Gone through multiple languages. Uh, had all kinds of encounters with the Lord. Drawing upon His wisdom. Uh, relying upon the Holy Spirit to help, help me know things I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know what I would do without it. I don't know how anybody does anything without the Holy Spirit in their life anyway. I don't know how you can be married without the Holy Spirit. That was a good one right there. <laughs> Heather says, yes, amen. <laughs> she needed the Holy Spirit to hang out with me, you know. Hey. Okay, so now, what does he do? He comes as what? He, you're born by the Holy Spirit, but now he's... You're a, it's the spirit of adoption. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery back into uh, or bondage again into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. It's the most beautiful thing. You know, uh, Heather's a little testimony of, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and having her spiritual language. And she's into this little uh, getting her nails done, you know. And uh, she's in some uh, like Thai, Taiwanese or Thai, Thailand, whatever, people from another language speaking. And a little boy runs in and goes, Baba, Baba, Baba. And Heather hears her word, you know. I was like, you know, I've been praying that in tongues. What's Baba? She turns to a lady doing the nails. What's, what's that mean? She says, Daddy. Heather's been praying, Daddy, 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 Abba, Abba. The spirit of adoption, Father God. Let's just thank God that he knows the deepest needs of your heart. He knows you need to be linked, adopted, born into his family. Cause to, to, to know that you're his. So important. Next, what happens is in uh, Ephesians, we look at uh, in Ephesians 13, 14, we see a seal and a guarantee. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him. Everybody say, we're sealed. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee? Everybody say, guarantee. He's a guarantee. This is why in uh, only in Christianity alone, there's no other... Uh, world religion where you have an assurance it doesn't exist there's no assurance in the heart of eternal life it doesn't exist it's all based on the effort of you being good enough all of it this is God says I'm going to make sure you know that you're going to be with me I'm going to put a deposit of myself by my spirit inside of you Assurance is yours. You know that you're going to be with Him. Nobody has that but, but believers in Jesus. John 14, 26. Uh, the Holy Spirit's function here, but the Helper. Everybody say, read this with me. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all I have said to you. This is amazing. How many of you need a lot of help? 
I tell you, helping everything, helping all kinds of things. You know, if you don't, this it's amazing. You, how many of you lost something? You pray in the spirit, you find it. How many? Other, I was telling, uh, giving this testimony to some uh, friends the other day. I uh, was, uh, you know, maybe I've said this here before, but I was uh, Heather and I were coming back from Annapolis and um, dropped her off to look at some shop somewhere with somebody else. And I went into the gas station. I was sitting there pumping the gas, and the Holy Spirit quickens me. He says. The Holy Spirit says, pray in the Spirit. So I start praying. So I'll just be funny. Yabba dabba do da day. So I'm praying in the Spirit. And uh, I'm just praying, praying, just drawing myself to the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Just my surrendering along there. And uh, then the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit says, check the oil. He got me softly engaged so that I would listen. And then I checked the oil. This is crazy. I needed five quarts. That means that with a few miles down the road, my engine would have blown up. But because God loves me, and He said, pray in the Spirit. How practical and caring is our God? For spiritual things, for practical things, it is phenomenal. Spirit of truth, helper, teach you, help you out. John 16, 13, spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you things to come. Uh, I love it when somebody comes uh, who seeking the Lord. And uh, I heard a testimony the other day. It says uh, somebody was came out of another uh, religion, came to Jesus, and they realized when you cry out to God, Jesus is the only one who comes. He's the only one who comes. Do you know why? Because he's risen from the dead. He's the only one who can come. He's the only one who shed his blood to forgive us of our sins, to give us new life in him, to make us take us out of death and give us new life. He's the only one who cares. Praise you, Jesus. Spirit of truth. He will lead you if, you, if you're really uncertain and you're just about to make a decision. I have a friend who uh, just, every, they're better now, thank God, they got better. Uh, but uh, they would end up in all kinds of calamity, like a lawsuit, you know. I said, why, I said, why, are, you, why are you in this lawsuit? What happened? And I would walk back blow by blow the decisions that were made that get them in this jam and I said, okay, right, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. This part of the story, did the Holy Spirit tell you not to do that? And they said, yes. But you did it anyway. Yes, that's why you have the lawsuit. <laughs> you, you crossed the boundary. The Holy Spirit was to keep you from all kinds of calamity. and th- you, you can walk with him and he'll go, no, 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 don't do that. Okay. Anyway, hey, hallelujah, this is our God. He's nice. 
I remember when I was driving, uh, you know, the, coming down the, in Camarillo over in uh, L.A., and I was just, uh, just, you know, in my car, and I went, ah, I just let off the gas. This is a 20-something. Let off the gas. I'm going to 80, and the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 no. So I put my foot on the brakes, and I go back down to 65, and just then, phew, there goes a policeman. Everybody say, God's the nice guy. <laughs> God's the nice guy. He kept me from losing my license. Now, if I if he to go, no, no, and I go, ah, woo, <laughs> don't want that, don't want that, don't want that. Uh, John sixteen eight. The Holy Spirit convicts. When He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. How many of you appreciate uh, when you get in a? Aren't you glad for conviction of sin? His conviction, by the way, his conviction is minus condemnation. There's never condemnation ever, ever. God doesn't condemn. He put all condemnation on Jesus. Jesus is he took it all. Okay, here's how it works. First of all, the devil comes and he just kisses. You know, there's just something wrong with you. You know, your whole life is messed up. That's the devil. Everything about you is wrong. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. You're just wrong. What you are, you should just be ashamed of your whole life. That's not, that's not conviction. This is conviction. Uh, honey, you see this one thing here? Yes. That's one thing. I want you just to deal with that one thing. Would you give that to me and repent of that one thing? Conviction. Conviction is amazing. And the beautiful thing about this verse is you get convicted. He says, when I, he convicts because the world doesn't believe in me. And we were talking about last week how he's taken our sin for the whole world, taking the sin. So, people, so sin's been dealt with, but you've got to believe in Jesus. It's the sin of unbelief that sends us into hell. I'm not going to receive it. Why not? Let's go ahead. Ephesians uh, 5, 18, 19. Be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions. How many of you know that that's really true? Nobody? I guess nobody ever drank anywhere. There's other words, dissipation, debauchery, stuff like that. But what? Isn't it amazing on the day of Pentecost when they were stammering around like this? They were full of the Holy Spirit. And they said, those guys are drunk. This is Peter's whole argument. The bars aren't open yet. <laughs> That's the answer. This is not that. This is the Holy Spirit. This is poured out by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This really actually is be, be being filled. It's not one filling. It's consistently filling your heart. Praying in the Spirit. Being with the Lord. How many of you, when you, how many of you, you we, we said it earlier, we need the encouragement to do it. I've seen people just go dry. I say, why? You got a fountain inside of you. You don't take a drink? What's up? When you're thirsty in the world, don't you get a glass of water? You got the Spirit of God in the inside. Just fill up, fill up, fill up. And here's how. You speaking of one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. How many of you really appreciate just I was this last week I, I felt this quickening about this you are my hiding place isn't that beautiful today 
I just felt like the Lord says, I want to release the spirit of the songs of deliverance in the congregation. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Song. Building up yourself. Singing. Making music. Singing. Opening your heart. You don't have to have a good voice. In fact, this is crazy, but in the Hebrew, the word for sing, it means to make a high, shrill squeaking noun as in the sound of a of a rusty hinge on a gate. Isn't that amazing? How many of you, have, that's my verse right there. That's my verse. That's the joyful noise verse. Yeah! Yeah! Hallelujah! You open that gate! Yeah! Yeah! He's happy. I remember uh, Chuck Gerard shared this story. I know Hank and Myrene Morris, and he's, he was in, Hank, Hank had one of those, well, like my dad, he had one of those voices like that. He's just tone deaf till, you know, but, but the anointing resting on Chuck was uh, aware of it. He says, the anointing sitting on Hank and his worship was permeating the room. It was like a little chicken squawking, but the power of that anointing. And he realized this nice music down here is nothing compared to that pure spirit being released in the heavens had no tonal quality on this level, but had power in heaven. So never let that get in your way. Never let that get in your way. Build it up. Amen? Which we want to step right in First Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench. Do not quench. Now look, I, I want to say uh, some came from real super Pentecostal backgrounds where everybody's jumping up and down, praying in tongues, and uh, like they got a sign on the chandelier that says "limit three people." You know, they got stuff like that, and uh, and people just jumping and running and running and running, all, all kinds of stuff. You know, and doot doot. You know, just you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Um, and then you got way over here on the other side, you got the don't ever do anything like that. It offend people. Then you read the Bible. And then in the Bible, if you know people come in and they hear this, here's what happens. Somebody hears this, you know, if you're praying in tongues and stuff, and then next thing you know, you prophesy to somebody and you read what's going on in their heart. That's pretty amazing. Now, it's, it's very important to know that when you do that, it's not all about you having a word. It's about Father God loving somebody and saying, I care about you so much. I know personal information is going to help you. And they go... I think I need God because He's aware of things that, I, that matter in my life. Reading the heart. Helping somebody step. Don't quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to... Don't, don't set that stuff aside and be mental. Function out of your spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Next thing that the Holy Spirit does, this is so amazing to me. He, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray, what to pray, as we are, but the Holy Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. How many of you uh, happen to be at the National Day of Prayer? Well, uh, what happened is they have the opening worship and then they, uh, usually Candace asked me to open up the, uh, start it. And I, and I said something, I started off this way. I said, Father God, Your Word declares that when the wicked rule, the people groan. It says, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when a wicked, wicked ruler 
uh, is in authority, uh, the people groan. And then I said, but your scripture, your word declares that when in our weakness, when we're weak, your Holy Spirit will come and you'll help us to pray with groanings. Lord, we don't want to groan in the flesh. We want to groan in the Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit during these days to cry out from deep within at another level and help us to pray. How many of you need that help? And you pray, you don't know how to pray as you ought, but then the Holy Spirit begins to help you with deep stuff inside. This is, a, look, it's not just grieving. Sometimes I remember that we were in here one Thursday night and the Holy Spirit uh, was leading us to pray for the uh, children that are being trafficked all over the world. It's really a bad thing. All the people that were in there that night, we begin to pray with groanings that are too deep to be uttered. Forty minutes crying out. And my heart changed. I believe that when you're crying out under the unction of the Holy Spirit, Father God will take the sensitivity that's in His heart and He'll say, I want to show you how I feel the pain that I feel about the injustice of the human suffering that's involved in this realm of our society. And that you get sensitized by learning how to pray by the Holy Spirit's help. Look, your prayer life takes off when the Holy Spirit's involved in it. It's not a thing where you got to push and pull and try to... I was, we were talking to a pastor one time and said, look, when if you're dealing with the demonic and, God, and Jesus says this time comes out by fasting and prayer, I said the fasting has nothing to do with you building up enough authority and rebuking something. You know what the fasting is about? It's about being entering into the tenderness of Father God's love. And you have a whole different perspective. You don't have to shout anything. You can whisper and demons jump out the window. When you have that level of understanding His absolute love for an individual and His soul. Are you there? He's that good. Okay. Next, uh, Romans 1.5, the Holy Spirit pours out love. This is uh, such a beautiful passage. Hope does not put us to shame. I want to just say before this, it says he, he says in this passage, he says, I want you to rejoice in suffering. Suffering will produce something. It produces endurance. So then endurance, when that, that produces something, it begins to produce character. Then when you go through the character development, it produces hope. And in hope, what happens is that the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts about through the Holy Spirit whom He has given us, which leads us into another thing. Now, this is how God takes caterpillars that crawl in and out and turns them into pillars. You go through this growing cycle. You enjoyed that one. Can, uh, can everybody else just laugh along with Shelly here? She's enjoyed that one. Okay. We're almost done here. Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, I said this about, see, this is, fruit is not instantaneous. Fruit doesn't happen. Fruit grows slowly. And really, uh, the love is that the the love is the fountainhead 
of the joy. The love is the fountainhead of the peace. The love is the fountainhead of the patience. It's the fountainhead of the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control. Against such there is no law. So I want to take a peek at this process just a little bit, and then we'll be done. I got on my bigger glasses. Everybody still doing okay? We're almost done here. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul is talking. I'm going to, I want us to just notice the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Are we beginning to sound like those who speak highly of themselves? Do not really. This is the Passion Translation. Do you really need letters of commendation to validate our ministry like others do? Do we really need your letter of endorsement? Of course not. For your lives are the letter of commendation. Paul's saying, I have poured into your life, and now I don't need anybody to prove that we are who we are because your very lives do that. For your lives are letters of commendation permanently engraved on our hearts, recognized and read by everybody as a result of our ministry. For you are letters written by Christ. Now get this, not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. How many of you have had the Lord remove a terrible belief about yourself from your heart. Now he's removed. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit comes in and says, we're going to wash the graffiti off of the wall of your soul. We're going to wash that out. And now we're going to write down who you really are to Jesus. And it is an inscription of, I changed when that happened. How many of you have changed when that happens? You really change when the Holy Spirit begins to inscribe on your heart. This is true life change. The Holy Spirit writes something inside of you on the walls of your human flesh somehow. It's not carved in the stone. So it's not carved in the stone, but on the tablets of tender hearts. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. This I love, Paul. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. Everybody say power of the Spirit. Now here we go. The letter of the law kills. But the Spirit pours out life. How many of you... Uh, maybe maybe not in this group, but how many of you have been reading the Bible and you find some little revelation there and you start to study and then you study too much and you study the life right out of it? Holy Spirit speaks something to you from the Word and then you go do a study and you get so mental about it, you've lost the life of it. That's what they're talking about. The letter kills. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really the Holy Spirit speaking life to you. You've got to step back. Step back and, and revel in the, the moment that the Holy Spirit gives you. He gives you revelation. You begin to respond to that. He wants to speak to you and write something in your heart. Even the ministry that was characterized by the chiseled letters of stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, then, though it produced death. Now, what we're talking about here is uh, Moses. It says the Israelites couldn't bear to gaze upon the glowing faith of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to 
to fade away. Yet how much more radiant is the new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us. For if former ministry of condemnation ushered in the measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far exceeding glory. So there's a contrast. So you got this this scribe writing on these letters, um, you know, the tablets, and there was a glory there. But it was, look, the the, the this is uh, worse language than he has over in Galatians because he basically is saying the law has been like a tutor to lead us to Christ. But it's still, you can't do it. The whole point of the law is you can't do it. You can't do it. That's the law. You can't do it. But Jesus Christ, by his spirit, he can do it in you. So why won't you let the partnership, and that's the whole point of partnering with the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus. It's surrendering to him and saying, I can't do it. And Paul is saying, we don't have this ability in ourselves. We've never had the ability in ourselves. It's him writing stuff down. It's him causing us to know ourselves. It's him causing us to know him. It's the revelation of who we are. I'm going to jump to the end here and just says this. So here, here's, uh, he gets all the way to the end here. He's contrasting that. And he says, now, the Lord that I'm referring to, and this is a little interesting thing. I, this is a, the growing point for me. I always relate to Jesus as the Lord. And, and Paul is going, I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is Lord. He says, it's the Spirit of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. It says, for the Lord is the Spirit. You go, what? He's saying the Lord is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in a, a, a level of lordship. And he says, I am going to transform your life. I'm going to work in you. I'm going to do something. And I'm going to take you from one level of glory to the next level of glory. That's the point. It's by the Holy Spirit's agency. It's by partnering with the Holy Spirit. Would you just close your eyes with me and lift your heads? Just as I, when I was coming in today, and the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to lift you up. I want to ask you to surrender fleshly striving to try to be good enough. God. I want you to allow that to go. Would you acknowledge before the Lord that you don't have what it takes in any way to perform and be good enough for Him? Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who show up bankrupt regularly. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to guarantee your religious fights have to do with not acknowledging your bankruptcy. You do not have a leg to stand on. Surrender everything that you think is your self-righteousness give it over would you do that and come to the Lord and say I have nothing to bring I am nothing to bring here and he says you know 
I can reflect my life through that because now you're not in the way anymore. I can cause the reflection of who I am to manifest through you from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray right now in this moment that you would take inward striving out of every individual here now in the name of Jesus. Release a precious family from human effort to be good enough. Release our hearts. We want our passionate pursuit of you not based on anything of our own particular goodness. We want our passionate pursuit of you to be understanding that you're everything and we come to you for everything all the time. Would you praise him with me just for a moment? Praise you, Lord Jesus. We want to partner with you, Holy Spirit. We want to partner with you in everything. I'm asking that you would cause our awareness of your involvement in our life to increase. That we would partner with you and not be burdened by life, but partner with you in a deeper way. Especially these days where we need your wisdom, we need your help, we need your direction, and we need your refreshing, we need all that you are you praise him in the spirit just kind of lift up your pray in your tongue and just gently a little holy murmur fill the room would you do that hallelujah let's just pause for a moment thank you lord 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 you're the good shepherd you lead us beside still waters you bring us to places of refreshing you guide us you feed us Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to ask one thing. Just go ahead and say, Lord, extend your mercy to all of my family. All of those who are in the realm of my earthly family, clans, community, all those people, whether they're in this country or another country, in Jesus' name, Spirit of God, descend upon them. Cause their hearts to come into an awareness of who you are, no matter what state they're in, no matter what house they're in. We claim them for Jesus Christ right now. Hallelujah. We surrender into your hands, asking for you to do things, miracles, salvations, healings, working in the Holy Spirit in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.